Welcome to this episode of On the Issues. My guest today is Erdogan Shipoli, visiting researcher at the Al-Walid Center for Muslim-Christian Understanding in the E. Walsh School of Foreign Affairs at Georgetown University. His current work focuses on Islam in the United States foreign policy and security. You can find his full bio on the page for this episode. Anyway, we were talking uh, earlier about religion, and I, I, I wanted to make, I wanted actually to make the point, I would like to, your take on it. Why extremists? Not always, not necessarily violent. Say Erdogan is a good example. Uh, but, uh, but the violent extremists, the majority use religion as a tool by which to persuade, to convince, to uh, encourage, and they use that religion. There's a, there's a fundamental reason, in my view, behind it. And that is, if you become a believer, if you are a believer, and I've been saying this all, all, so many times everywhere, if you become a believer, you no longer need any proof. Because you can't say, I believe in God, but prove it to me. Yes. Well, if you believe, you believe. So if, uh, if you take the leaders of various organizations, like terrorist organizations, be that Al-Qaeda, be that ISIS, they use religion as the tool by which, because if God ordained it, you're not supposed to question it. Mm -hmm. You don't question it. Yeah. And then you follow without questioning. And that has been the pattern. So not only the violent extremists, but take politicians like Erdogan. There is no way in my view, please, please correct me if you think otherwise. There is no way in my view he could have switched from being a reformer when he came to power. So it was so impressive. Political reform, uh, social reform, certainly the economy of, of, of Turkey was pleasure flourishing everywhere and become, you know, much closer to beginning serious negotiation with the EU. And then he, the whole thing is turned around. But he could not have done that had he, had he not been, had he not used religion. Yes. In a religious na na nationalism in order to persuade, convey, make sure that he has the core base that is going to follow him without questioning. I agree. I definitely agree with you. Yeah. But there is something that I would add. On yeah. this. So I'm, I'm very happy that you shared your thought first because I was going to ask, so what is your thought <laughs> so that I can learn from it first before I share mine? Um, I study security. And the way I study religion more is a tool of security, uh -huh. how it is being used. So the way I was, this is the way I uh, also see religion extremism, religious extremism. It is true that believing means not questioning. But during different times, there are different things that people believe. Let's take, for example, PKK. When it was formed, it was more of a revolutionary guard. If it was more of a communist, socialist. Uh, yes. Yeah. So that is what they believed. And then it became nationalist. All right. Let's take, for example, 
Bosnian War. Bosnian War was a war of human rights. There was a dictator that wanted to rule over all Yugoslavia with a fist and want, wanted to make genocide and ethnic cleansing. Because nobody was ready to help Bosnia, it turned, it was framed and it turned out to be a Muslim versus an Orthodox Christian That's war. Right. But let's take it, for example, in Kosovo. Because the times were different, there was a Bosnia war before that, we, the Kosovars, made this an ethnic, a war of ethnic cleansing. There was no religious aroma to it. So, my bottom line is this. When there is something that people need to believe, we cannot just ignore it. Let's, okay, don't believe in this. Don't question everything. Some people have the uh, need to believe. Today is nationalism. Yesterday was uh, another thing. Tomorrow will be religion or something like that. And the best manipulators know these kind of things. Oh, yeah, I know. No, no question. If you go back to, to Kosovo and the conflict between Kosovo and uh, Albania. Uh, Serbia. Uh, Serbia. <laughs> the, the conflict between the two. And, and just, I mean, if you look at it, had they all been uh, Christians? I'm not suggesting Christians don't wage war against Christians. Well, Europe history is, is uh, flooded with, with, with these kind of wars. But, but there is no question, in my view, the fact that Kosovo largely is Muslim and Serbia is not, it's a major factor in the still ongoing conflict. That is true. It's that ongoing is... conflict. That is why, why, they, why they still, I mean, they still, you know, the Serbia still feel that, uh, that Kosovo is part and parcel you know, of, of Serbia. But had it not been for the religious division between the two sides, obviously things would have been better, better, much better. So, but the thing is this, Serbians made war with Croatians as well, and they are both yeah. Christians. Yeah. So this is more of an ethnic issue. Now, Albanians in Yugoslavia were always the other, because they had another language. They were the only ones that were not Slavs. Right. right? So... I believe that that was the main reason that led to this war. The thing here is this. What I wanted to say is that when you want support, then you have to position yourself somewhere. So while in, in Bosnia, the West was not ready to help the Bosnians, they had to make this a religious war because Bosnians were, were Muslim. Whereas Albanians always, during all the history, had a good coexistence between Christians and Muslims. Oh, yes. And, yeah. and, and Jewish, uh, not only Jewish Albanians, but yeah. we know that during uh, the uh, terrible times of Holocaust, Albania harbored a lot of, of Jewish families. And then we decided to make this as it was. It was an ethnic war. All right. But when, when, when we come to today, to today's time, why is this extremism? Uh, going on and um, I mean it's not only violent extremism but in extreme in, in views mm -hmm. I don't see that there is a lot of new things I see that when it comes to extremism not to violent extremism definitely violent extremism has increased right because now they have more power and uh, they have more accessibility to violent means mm -hmm. otherwise yeah. 
Yeah. Um, for example, we were talking about how in Balkans we have uh, the rise of um, of jihadist extremism. Yeah, that's true. But no country in the Balkans has a bigger uh, jihadist problem than, let's say, France or Germany. Right. Moreover, we are talking about uh, 300. I don't know how accurate the numbers are. Let's say 300 Kosovars that went to fight in Syria and Iraq, which is very bad. The government should definitely focus on this. But nobody's talking on why that is happening. What are the causes? Why people need to f uh, have the need of, uh, of going to these uh, extreme ideologies? But in this particular case, I, I wanted to continue the point, mm -hmm. though, just so that we add this layer. That is, uh, in relative terms, more Kosovars well, went to Syria or Iraq to fight. In relative terms, we are given that the, that the population of Kosovo was about two million plus, <coughs> two million minus one point seven. Yeah, one point seven. Yeah. Proportionately, more Kosovo uh, went to fight than any other country, Muslim or otherwise, in terms of relative terms. Of course, few uh, thousands came from different kind of country, but three hundred or four hundred from Kosovo was a high number. So why is that? So it's um, going back to your point. So Kosovo, Kosovo, the number this number for Kosovo is very big. Yeah, because Kosovo did not have an extremism before. Yeah, religious extremism. Relatively to other countries, it is true they went to ISIS, but there are thousands of Serbs that went to uh, to fight in Ukraine right now that are fighting in Ukraine right now, but we don't talk about that. Mm -hmm. That is another form of extremism. That some of it is very ethnic, because they go on ethnic grounds to fight for pro-Russian armies in in Ukraine. Some of them is very religious. Yeah, but with the religious, I'm talking about when it is uh, violent. But they are going to fight. I yeah. mean, so no, no. In terms violent. of when there's indiscriminate violence, terrorism, killing innocent people. Uh, this uh, this is. I'm not saying it's 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 a good thing or it's yeah. different in terms of violence is violence, but the, by definition, this is a kind of different kind of war. It is more defined as such. When you have Al Qaeda or, or or ISIS been attacking everywhere, wherever they had an opportunity, they attack. Some the uh, the difference between Kosovars, for example, not doing not going to fight with al-qaeda but going to fight with isis is something that we should study one of the things that i believe is because of the bad conditions that uh, that kosovo is right now there is no uh, the unemployment is very high there is no hope crime is very high in kosovo itself and uh, corruption all these kind of things so people go into dark uh, times in their lives and they need some some consolation. This is where they meet with the extreme ideologies and then they are ready to do yeah. extremist stuff, terrorism. Yeah. Which is, I mean, terrorism is, is something above extremism. You might have extreme views, beliefs, but terrorism is something that, you know, you are going in another, uh, in another part of life. But at the same time, we also need to know that Organizations like ISIS, yesterday I was talking to someone and they asked me about ISIS. What do I think? I said, look, if you took other organizations as these boutique shops, ISIS is a corporation. 
because there was a uh, a Muslim comedian that made a, a, a joke in uh, in a Muslim event, and he said, "Guys, the reason I know that ISIS is not Muslim is because they never hold fundraisers, and all Muslim organizations <laughs> hold fundraisers <laughs> in America." So, uh, and you know, it makes sense because that is what makes ISIS different. It does not need to hold fundraisers because ISIS is a corporation. It had petrol. It deals with artifacts, sells artifacts. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, they were masters of these things. And they were technologically oriented. Yes. They had the means. They had like economic, all, all of that. And they had also um, a more um, uh, wider view of what it is. That is by definition. Al-Qaeda and others were terrorizing without any ambitions of territorial acquisition yes. of any kind. But for, for ISIS, it was something different. They wanted, in fact, to establish a new state, a new Khalifa. And, and they, they, they made a tremendous stride. I mean, a great deal of progress initially, first two, three, two and a half, three years. So one uh, of the reasons why the Kosovars, why some of the Kosovars with extreme views, I'm not trying to whitewash anyone who went to fight for ISIS. They are terrorists, they should be treated as such. But one of the reasons why they went to ISIS, which is, was different from others, is because it, at the beginning it was not really seen as a, a terrorist organization until it started terrorizing. You must have read, or you know because of your um, relations and knowledge of Turkey, that ISIS had recruiting uh, offices in Istanbul. For years, and nobody was touching them. Yeah. When ISIS started, well, they were not. They were not. They did not, were, did not identify, identify themselves as such. Yes. Before this, now of course, they've been in Iraq. They've been in Syria. They've been in Turkey. They've been everywhere prior to declaring themselves as such. Yes. Because the movement going back, I would say, in almost instantly after 9/11, you know, many of them came from Afghanistan. They've been trained by the United States, being given equipment and all of that, the war there when initially the United States won, so-called, quote-unquote, won the war against the Taliban. Yes. Uh, initially, I mean, against the, when the Soviet Union actually left, well, all of these tens of thousands of fighters had no place to go. I mean, ISIS is, is, is an, uh, uh, composed of many kind of groups, including Ba'athists from Iraq, yes. from Syria, uh, certainly the military has been dis dismembered in Iraq itself. So they all came from background, many of them very, very well trained. And, and uh, my understanding, you know, when I, I looked at the Baghdadi's philosophy, al-Baghdadi, that mm -hmm. is the head of ISIS, uh, from the very beginning had this vision. That is, mm -hmm. that is the Arab world, the Muslim world, is, cannot be uh, modernized or cannot be... Uh, redeem itself. It's irredeemable. Yes. And hence we need to do something different. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what my understanding from what, what his preaching is all about. But also, so if we look at the difference between what he's preaching and what Al-Qaeda was preaching, Al-Qaeda was using Islam and Islamic discourse very much. Yeah. Al-Baghdadi and ISIS do not. They use state discourse. If you look at their propaganda videos, they are all about pop culture and they are about state how we have a state, people are happy. For example, Al-Qaeda would make a call for uh, fighters, right? 
Whereas ISIS makes call for doctors, engineers who will work in that garment. So uh, going back to your question about the Kosovars, this is something when, when they were not happy with their, uh, their conditions, their life conditions. Now we have to understand that in Kosovo, people, a lot of people uh, have very, very difficult life conditions. So with a little bit of will and with a little bit sympathy of, uh, of religion, they can be uh, brainwashed. Oh, they have been. There's no question they were brainwashed. Except that the point, the point is, I know poverty, um, the, the despair does contribute to, to the, the, this phenomenon. But look, for example, at Egypt. But Egypt has more poor than you know, 60, 70%. I'm talking about 50, 60 million and under poverty line. It's, it's a mess. Uh, but you don't see many Egyptians, Egyptians per se, going and joining Al-Qaeda. Some did. Yeah. But the proportionately to the Kosovo is nothing to compare. True. And then they were as despondent and as poor, in fact, far more than the Kosovo that actually went there. So, yes, I think poverty does contribute. But there are the other elements. I think here where I think religion comes to play. Mm -hmm. That is, if you look at um, Egyptian, they are not, they are most of the, since the revolution in 1952, you, you couldn't talk about Egypt was a modern Muslim, very liberal country. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, belly dancers and the drinking was not, nothing, you know, you could, I used to go to Egypt and it was like a Western country. Nobody, you know, alcohol everywhere, you know, was like this. The, but the being that the poverty there did not translate mm -hmm. to, to the kind of extremism. And I, as a matter of fact, even, even in 9-11, the revolution in Egypt could have been considerably more violent, but it wasn't. So that is, I'm saying, poverty plays a role, but apparently there's something else but that pushed you, these people. But if you go to Kosovo, uh, it's still a Western country. Alcohol everywhere, belly dancers. I don't know, well, we, don't really, we never had belly dancers <laughs> in Kosovo, like, uh, culturally. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, religion is, was never a part, was only a cultural part of the society. It was for everyone. This is my, my point, that what has changed? That's, so, why, that's why I'm, I'm going to throw this scenario. So, in, in my opinion, what has changed is that after, after the war, so I, I was, uh, when we were sitting on the couch, I was explaining that uh, I, for example, used to fast when I was small, before the war. So, people that told me, oh, why do you stay hungry, right, they would be now, they are now those uh, people with extremist views. So, first, I think that a lot of people that went uh, to ISIS or are uh, going towards these extremist views, they were more illiterate in religion than the people, uh, than the average person in Kosovo. So when you don't uh, make religion a, a public discourse, then you put place for some others to come and explain religion as they want. Also, so when you they put, become subject to manipulation, much yes. easier. That's the question. So of course, yeah. poverty is one, right? More important than poverty is the 
hopelessness that people have. So they want to see something. And then you have these people that can come and manipulate when also, uh, I mean, we're talking about free market, but also free market has some regulations and some control. So uh, in a lot of Balkan places, there is uh, no control of uh, religious uh, institutions about who preaches what, no training. So basically, instead of uh, making this an issue about, okay, what is how, what is the uh, religious comp- um, religious uh, culture in Kosovo, we're just like, okay, we don't want to talk about religion. You don't want to talk about that, but there's someone else who's going to talk instead of you. So, you know, mm. let's make it this normal. And it's all also political. You see, very interestingly, there was a uh, an important... Um, an interview I gave for Deutsche Welle, there was a, uh, a journalist that reached out and he's, the question was, what is uh, going on with Balkans and Turkey? So I said, everything is political. And I believe that even now, when you have a lot of Turkish supporters, uh, Saudi supporters, whatever, it's all political because they want to raise influence. Now, all these countries, including Turkey, including uh, the, the Saudi and others, they see the Balkans, especially the Balkan Muslims, as a way to Europe, because that is where it goes from. So this also um, like blurs the way of, you know, where are these extremists taking money? How are they functioning? Who is going where? And all these kinds of issues. Yeah, I mean, look, the point is, is exactly what we're getting into is that is. Uh, be that Erdogan or people like himself, is a political Islam is being a, a political tool. Islam yes. is, you know, and this this is exactly what his plan I think was from day one, even though he initially did not talk much about it. But once he solidified his position at home, and he was a free a political Islam is the is the is the, probably was a perfect tool. Yes, by which to spread his influence. And I spring his wings now in the Balkans and elsewhere, but even even in the Arab countries, like like I said in recent article mm-hmm. in Qatar in, in Somalia, building another military base in the middle of the Red Sea and all of yeah. that. Uh, but but he's what he's doing is not he's using the economic initially enough strength mm-hmm. that that he was able to sort of demonstrate to some extent, albeit he's got millions and millions of people very poor in Turkey. But yeah. what he's doing is religion for him, political Islam, was the most the most powerful tool. Exactly. And if you add to it some money that goes with it, well, all of these countries in the Balkans become become captives. Yesterday, I don't know if you followed, Professor, there was a Senate hearing, the Helsinki Committee. Yeah. Uh, so they talked about how you know, the, the Russian influence on the Balkans and how uh, Turkey is using that for uh, business and giving more money. I don't agree with that really, because why Erdogan and his regime are using uh, in Balkans, money and economics is only uh, as tool for their political influence. Oh, there's no question. Otherwise they don't win money from those countries. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, this is exactly what I just said today. My articles are the point, I'm not pushing my article, but this is exactly the point. The point I made there is, is exactly that. This is going into these areas because from as his, he, you know, he's also following all the symbols of the Ottoman, the Ottoman Empire, 
because he he wants to project himself. Yes. I mean, both at home and abroad. The concept of Ottoman sort of dreaming about that era where Turkey, whether the Ottoman, the Turks, were were so powerful and have been in, um, in control of so much landmass, both in the Middle East and in Europe. Erdogan that has that vision. He knows he's not going to restore the Ottoman Empire, but he's definitely make, trying to make inroads to expand Turkish uh, outreach wherever he could. For him, I think, in my view, being uh, using political Islam, he could not do it only if he had all the billions that he needs, the hundreds of billions. Exactly. He could not do it with money alone. He needed, he needed political Islam in order to be able to go to these areas, which is Muslim, predominantly Muslim, which, where it could resonate. I, I definitely agree with you. But there is also one thing. You correctly said that uh, you guessed this was his uh, point of view from the beginning. It's just that uh, he used it after he was a little bit more solid. And so. I agree with that too. Especially economically. I agree with that. But I also think that when he decided to use this political, political Islam as a tool, if at that time there was another tool better than political Islam, he would use that the other oh, tool. No, no, no. I mean, he's, he's, uh, you know, he's ex you know, he exploits anything and any opportunity. Uh, he sees any opportunity to advance his goal, his objective. But, uh, but he, I think he was smart enough to realize exactly. that, that Islam is a tool by which he can, he, can, he can use effectively, specifically when he's appealing to countries that are predominantly Muslim. Because if you yeah. see now, for example, the best or the most focused country he is right now is neither Bosnia nor Kosovo nor Macedonia, is Serbia. Because he believes that Albania, Bosnia, uh, Macedonia and Kosovo do not listen them do not listen him as much so he is focused in in in, in serbia he uh, said that he will make more uh, trade with them yeah. the only reason being political and he even said uh, which is very security wise is very dangerous for uh, kosovo albania for the balkans in general he said that he will work with russia in the balkans And this is this does not have to do anything with Ottomanism. This does not have to do anything with Islam. This only has to do with his uh, lust for power. So, if But needed, yeah, he'll use political Islam for no, some countries. There's no question. But as you know, there's the, uh, going back to to his push for Islam. It's very interesting because what he's doing with the Balkans, he's threatening. Yes, all of these countries uh, comes to the to close, for example, all the schools, all the schools that have any kind of relationship or been built, established by the Gulen movement. Yes. So what he's doing is he's <laughs> demanding from the Kosovo's from Afghanistan, albeit not, not in the Balkans, he's demanding, you've got to close the schools, uh, fire those teachers, we replace them with, uh, with uh, uh, different teachers, our teachers, who have the same religious orientation that he wants to project in these countries. Exactly. And many of them are doing just that because he's got the tools. He's got, he's, you know, waving the dollar sign <laughs> everywhere he goes. And, and it's very unfortunate because the, uh, as far as I know, most of the Gulen schools, they are very science-based science and, uh, and, and secular yeah, in yeah. teaching. But, But what, what he's saying, he's saying that he's going to make them madrasas. 
Yeah. So yeah. he's going to make them religious schools. He's going to make them even more religious. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the the Tulagolan, of course, the scientists, histories, all of that. But that there were many classes on religion. It's no question. Islam also was part of the studies in these schools. But what he's doing is he's making it far more Islamist than it ever than 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 there currently are. So, but just for clarification. In Balkans, the Gulen schools, they don't have uh, religious classes. Well, in, my, in my understanding, schools. they have equal lessons, no, not special. A religion is just another subject. Uh, in Kosovo, for example, they don't. They really don't? No, no, I graduated from such a school. They're because very, very interesting. I graduated yeah. from such a school, yeah. and uh, my, my sister graduated from such a school. I would never go in a school that would teach religion classes, religious classes. And no, and my understanding was just like a subject. No, no, not not uh, not like all all classes. Uh, uh, like you're going to madrasas, where yeah. religion is ninety percent of the curriculum. Some the uh, it, like the, the the school that I also graduated from high school, and um, these schools they work with the um, uh, curriculum of the government and in in Kosovo government, for example. The normal schools, uh, private schools, they don't have, as long as you are not a religious uh, madrasa, you don't have religious classes, so they don't really have. And no, this is, this is where I see the division between Gulen and, and Erdogan is because mm-hmm. Gulen says, uh, said that uh, science is important, whereas Erdogan says that science is important to be stopped because people who study, they don't vote for us. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, this is the yeah, difference. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know. It's it's very interesting. I mean, I mean, what I think what we are seeing today, uh, what Turkey is doing, especially, it's probably just the beginning, because as long as Erdogan is there, uh, I think I think we can um, see a great deal more of what he's doing. Continue to push, and it's going to it's going to destabilize. It's going to destabilize certain parts in the region because of what he's doing. Because the resistance, you know, I, what I'm sensing is they see a sort of another imperialism of sort coming mm-hmm. back. Well, that's yeah. very interesting insight to yeah. to hear it from you. Yeah, yeah I never thought of this, it. But yeah. This is what they are seeing, witnessing today. For example, you know, after 9-11, he went to Egypt. He went to, and basically he was rebuffed. We are not interested in your brand this time. We're not interested yes. in your in anything. So he dis- he decided to go to countries that are much smaller, much more uh, vulnerable. Yes. In various areas. Yes. And spreading his wing that way, and so far he's, he can claim some successes. It's no question. Yes. And 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 to the chagrin, of course, of Egypt and Saudi Arabia and Jordan and. And Israel has not much to do with it, but certainly that also. So they are watching. This is guy is actually beginning to have this aura mm-hmm. of a, for a new imperialism. I, like I said before, the vision of Ottoman, albeit he is not framing it that way. So it, it's inter- I, I, as I said, I, I didn't really think of it, but your experience, your knowledge, and yeah, that's. That that makes a lot of sense. My also my my fear is that this will not be bounded to Erdogan only. My fear is that the Pandora's box has been opened. So now those um, those imperial 
political Islam of Turkey has has been scattered. And I'm afraid that even after Erdogan, this will continue. It's possible, yeah, depending, of course, which government is going to come to power, who is going to be the next president. But if he has his brothers and he could do what he wants, he's going to make sure to groom someone. Yeah. Oh, who is yeah. going to follow his footstep 100%. Yeah. But also the people now, I see that is, the, that is a problem that I see in Turkey now. I had some very interesting professors who uh, who were very critical of, of the government, of Erdogan's government. And they were conservatives, but they were very critical. Now they support Erdogan, not only because they fear, but because I just see that there is this self-confidence that came to, to some, this fake self-confidence that came to some uh, society, to, to a certain part of society in, in, in Turkey, that uh, now they claim that they are living, uh, they're blooming uh, period. And I'm, I'm just afraid that the people uh, have, have shifted from their Western-looking um, European, Euro-Atlantic, Turkey and Turks towards more like, okay, we are not European, no Euro-Atlantic, we are, most of them not, not even like Middle Eastern, we are our own self, Turkish, Turkish Muslim, pol- so this is all that, what that political Islam has done, has broken the, um, the fabric of the country that, you know, was looking westward. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think there is definitely uh, some signs of what you just said. It's having, it's moving. But the, the Western orientation that Turkey has had, uh, it's generational in my view. That is, mm-hmm. the change is, can take a place, but it's going to take a while. That is, I, I dare say, based on what I'm hearing from my friends in Turkey still, uh, the Turks are, by and large, the majority, are very, very uh, upset, very angry. Uh, they don't know what to do. Basically, they feel stifled. They've been, they've been choked. And that's the majority, how they feel. And, and um, the country has become police state, for yes. all intents and purposes. So there's fear. There's fear of the government. And so, and... and uh, what is interesting when you are uh, when you experience that kind of fear from your own government, you no longer want to subscribe to its policies and to its indoctrination. Basically, you revolt. You, you, what we are my my prediction, my feeling is that uh, the Turks just probably just like Iran, the Iranian. What is you know he's almost creating a model of Iran in Turkey. That's what he's doing. Yeah, uh, I think I think it's a question of when hmm. the Turks and the Iranians are, will rise and say enough is enough, uh, and that is not no matter almost how much force they use. And I'm not talking about tomorrow or next year. It could take ten years, fifteen years, because the in part because of the technological revolution, mm-hmm. you can you know the the world is exposed. You can no longer suppress and get away with it because there is better way. They, they can see the light and they can see it from the phone and mm-hmm. through, through the internet. It's through every, so many windows to the world now are open 24 hours a day. So you have that. 
then you have the, the, the need for better life. I mean, yeah. people are saying, you know, how much longer we're going to continue to suffer. That is going to, at one point or another, the, the, that's why I keep saying, you know, like 9-11, I mean, uh, the Arab Spring may have went through one stage and collapsed uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, but it's not dead. That, yeah, that's, that, that, that is, is that sense. kind of the people, the, the young especially, which are the majority in all of these countries, mm-hmm. uh, the vast majority are under the age of 40. Yeah, yeah. They, are, they will not sit and take it anymore for, for much longer. Maybe a few more years, there's going to be a point where there is, the system will break for, under its own weight. Well, you know... That means that, I mean, according to, to, to what we're talking, that means that uh, it all then depends how much damage it is going to do. So definitely it's, going, it's not going to live forever, but it all depends how much damage, is, damage it's going There's to no do. There's no question. Is it so, a, yeah. Because now we see, for example, if, you know, if, if we see from the Balkans perspective as well, we see that in, in one of the recent interviews that Erdogan gave, he said that we have some, uh, some parties in the Balkans that were influenced by AK Party, they like our ideas and they are forming those parties, like the one in uh, Besa in, in Macedonia or other places. And also, uh, I, I don't know, every day we are waking up with new scandals, so some, <laughs> some of them might go unnoticed, but uh, just recently they have announced that they are going to open six offices in uh, six AK Party offices in Europe and two of them are going to be in Balkans. One is going to be in Macedonia, the other one I forgot right now where it's going to be. So I guess that this thing is going to be spread for political purposes. Oh, yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah. and it all depends how much damage uh, it is going to do, how much indoctrination is going to do. So the thing is that uh, we have to be aware of these things uh, and oh, then try to... Oh, absolutely. The art part is opening this office. But even more than that, you know, in the last... Seven, eight, seven, eight years, plus five, six, six to seven years, Turkey opened 60 new embassies. Yes. In countries where one, one, embassy, one ambassador can serve three, four different countries. Yes. They have embassies in these countries. Now, what, why do you need these many ambassadors, these many embassies in so many different countries, given what Turkey is all about? And this is precisely the whole idea. That's the same with Turkish Airlines. Yeah. Turkish Airlines has flights to places that uh, in some of them they fly like with no passengers, with yeah. two passengers. Like, for example, in some African countries, they fly with no, yeah. with no passengers. But this is that influence that, that they want to build. And I believe that, that Balkans cannot, uh, Balkans will definitely be a lot of influence for this because it's a door. Erdogan always sees Balkans as a door to enter European Union. He sees Balkans as a stick to intimidate the Europe, uh, Europe uh, to blackmail Europe. Uh, you mentioned that Erdogan wants to close these schools and stuff in the Balkans. More, more than that, I believe that Erdogan wants to do whatever he wants with these schools. For example, he's trying to kidnap some of the Gulenists there. The reason is, the only reason, not that he cares about those Gulenists, one or two percent, he has 100,000 person in prison. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. only reason is, he wants to tell to Europe, I can do whatever I want in your backyard. 
Exactly. See what happened is this. Yeah, right. What happened is this is how 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 his mind worked. If I want to be a member of the EU, I'm going to have to stick to these reforms. I'm going to have to have to have a free press. I have to have this. I have to have free speech. I have to have open economy and all of this. Well, that is not going to work for me because I cannot exercise the power yes. and the influence that I want. But I want to be part of Europe, nevertheless. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go to these countries, exactly what you're saying, so, where I don't have to change my my uh, political position. About only, I don't have to have a free press. I don't have to have a freedom. I don't have to have any. I don't have to have, uh, you know, um, the the social and and political rights. I can go to Europe. And I can exercise the influence I want without sacrificing anything, exactly. and getting the kind of power more that I, that he wants, which he could not get in the EU, because in the EU he will be just another member, even if he were to be accepted out of 127, 28. Yes, exactly. But also, he uses this very good in his uh, national discourse. Yeah. For his election, he's like, okay, you see, I do whatever I want in Europe. This means that even Europe cannot stop Turkey anymore. I just, I just can feel, I, I, I can hear his speech. If there is one, let's say, one Gulenist that is imprisoned and sent back, deported back to Turkey from Balkans, I just hear next day <laughs> his speech saying, hey, Europe. This is what I do in your background because you know we are powerful, and this works for his constituency. Oh, yeah. It's because yeah. people yeah. want yeah. Um, uh, um, a, a strong leader, I guess. Yeah. And it's very interesting when we talk about strong leaders because in I think it was in 2011, in uh, in the elections, when I uh, I was in Turkey at that time, so it was very interesting. There was there were two meetings, uh, one day uh, after another. The, the the JHP meeting had banners calling Ordu Göreve, calling the army to take over the government. Cool, right? And then there was the AK Party rally where they open uh, banners, Recep, uh, Sultan Recep Tayyip Erdogan, Birinci, first Sultan <laughs> Recep Tayyip Erdogan. And I was like, man, these are two main uh, constituencies of, of Turkey, voters, and none of them wants democracy. <laughs> <laughs> one <laughs> wants a strong yeah. Uh, yeah. army state. The yeah. other wants uh, the other wants a strong leader, a sultanate. So yeah. nobody yeah. says rule of law, you know, yeah. something like that. So in fact, this is what Erdogan also knows that you know he wants that strong fist, and he definitely wants to use Balkans for this. I think that because of this, the Balkan countries should be very careful. Europe should be very careful, and America should be very careful. In yeah, I mean, this is a. <laughs> that's a one phrase I just again I'm referring to, you know, I was saying in the article that the country that he's uh, he's reaching out to, you know, they should should really be very careful yes. because there's also sinister attention. Now whatever he wants to do, yeah. he has different kind of agenda in his, in his head. I mean, this is this is to, to me, you know, having been I've seen uh, Turkey for so long for. In so many different ways, I feel I feel saddened to be honest with you oh. by this development. Anyway, there are scores and scores and scores of Turks that I've gone to learn, met, and befriend with. To this day, I, I hear from them, you know, by phone, by this saying, Turkey is 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 uh, you know is basically sliding 
ever so quickly towards uh, some kind of abyss in terms of, you know, he may be able to uh, have a greater influence outside Turkey, but I am not just sure that he actually can, can consolidate his base to a point where he can be absolutely like he really anchored himself and he can man manage to get the set. He will try. He will try. I Maybe maybe it's my wishful thinking to suggest well, that I hope the Turk will rise. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I would like, I'm, I'm happy to go there and stick at the revolution. So the thing is that... I'll say I'm Turk. I'm a Turk. <laughs> my name is Erdogan, remember? So I'll go there first. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you are perfect. <laughs> We're my Turkish friends. Compliment me. I'm like, you Turks never learn. You should never compliment Erdogan's too much because then we turn out <laughs> to be not so good. Jokes aside, I don't think that me and you are the, the most objective people on this topic because we both like Turkey. And I met you first in Turkey. I, I myself, I love Turkey. I, that is where... Well, I think Turkey is a great country. I, I really mean it. I mean, I have not met people there. I said, what's the matter with these guys? Same here. And, you know, yeah, I lived there for yeah. 10 years. Yeah. Although I, 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 met, I met my wife there. We were both students. So, you know, if somebody asks me because I lived 10 years there, then I'm living for five years now in America. When somebody asks me, where are you from? I tell them I'm from Istanbul. I'm Istanbul. Because uh -huh. that is also what I like. You know, that is... That is the cosmopolitan, a great, great, great city. I mean, how can you go wrong with Istanbul? Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, there is, um, there is this thing that worries me, is that until now there, there was um, a lot of uh, this, uh, this lust for let's make a change, revolution, and stuff like that. But that is winding out a little bit, and this is why we see a, an increase of dictators. Like for example, we we could have uh, we could have an Arab Spring in Egypt, but then you know now you have a uh, you have another dictator there that you know goes uh, uh, rogue. So you know, or like for example in Kosovo, so many problems, in Macedonia so many problems, Albania, but people would not rise up to do something big anymore because they are tired of life. And also in Turkey, what worries me, the other thing, is the lack of the of alternatives. I am I'm having, I don't say that there is no and that there will be no, but I'm having a little bit difficulties on seeing that alternative, at least from the political elite now. Especially taking in consideration that, let's say, the the ultra the, the ultra nationalists they went together with Erdogan to support Erdogan, David Bashili and stuff yeah. like that. So that is a little bit where I am not as as wishful as you. No, no, but me. no, but there is another element, and I think this is very important to keep in mind. When you just said, what's the trend today? The trend today is reverting back to nationalism, hmm. all groups. Yeah however small they may be, the, the tribalism, so to speak, yes. is coming back. Yes. That's, that puts brakes on the ambitions of people like, like Erdogan. What we see today, the, the Britain wanted to exit, from the, the, from the, the exit from the EU. Even the Scots now want to have separate, different country from Great Britain. Um, the Kurds voted in Iraq to be independent. The Kurds in Turkey are, will continue to wage this 
the PKK will never stop until mm -hmm. there is some kind of resolution. The, you cannot kill like Erdogan said, I'm going to kill every single fighter. It's not going to happen. Gonna so what I am saying is, given that the tendency now toward quote-unquote tribalism, that is nationhood, people want to live their own life, their own culture. When you get someone like, like, like um, uh, Erdogan who wants to control, yeah. it is inconsistent with the trend that is taking place today. Yes, you are. It is inconsistent. Uh, so this, the, the, he may succeed in the short term mm -hmm. because of need. People need better economic condition. People could use this kind of support he's providing, albeit also with strings attached. Uh -huh. But that cannot last because they are not prepared to sacrifice their national identity, the core of what they believe in, what they want to be. You know, you, you, you also uh, think that you know, these kind of people, they, they may change according to the needs of the time. So Erdogan may become the most nationalist Turk ever. No, well, he's, he showed that he can change in different kind of yeah. No, no question. <laughs> but all I'm saying, what I'm saying is the, the, the fact is there's a definite trend, well, clear, yeah. clear yes, trend. Of course. That people no longer is, are prepared to, take, to be subjugate, subjugated. Yes. And that is where I think the ambitious people like Erdogan and like many other dictators are, are going to be arrested. You know, it's going to be not today, tomorrow. It's going to take a lot of time. But I don't think the future is is um, is going to be for those people like Erdogan and his likes, well, unless they limit themselves to their own their own countries. Uh, it makes sense, and you know, another thing that makes sense of what you are saying is the party that Erdogan helped establish in Macedonia. It's called Besa. Besa is the Albanian word which, you know, we really feel proud of. So it's something very Albanian, very nationalistic. Uh -huh. So I guess that he's also reading that trend. And this is why he wants to influence with, you know, these, uh, these kind of new parties of making them more nationalist so he can have this nationalist influence in these small countries. So yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it yeah. makes sense. And he reads those trends. I mean... <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's it's uh, it's fascinating. I, you know, I'm, uh, this is the first time in a while. I mean, I always felt well. I'm doing what I'm, I enjoy. What I'm doing, when I'm enjoying it even a little more, <laughs> <laughs> even though it's getting tougher, <laughs> only because it's like it's a new, a new, a new horizon. I think. Where do we go? You know. You have a Trump phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so that means that this podcast is going to be like four or five hours. <laughs> uh, I, I want to thank you, really. I think it was fun to have this conversation with you. Well, I really enjoyed it. I, I, uh, I, I learned a lot uh, from your writings and, and from your podcast and uh, from, from, from talking to you. I, I really enjoyed being here. Thank you for listening to this episode on the issues. You can find this podcast on my SoundCloud page and stay tuned to my social media accounts for the latest analysis and announcements.